0: Listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Beauchemin.
1: Broncos This Week podcast, brought to you by Original 16, Ryan Schweitzer, Craig Boschman getting ready for episode 12. Is that what we're at? Yeah, 12 episodes already. So so we're 12 weeks into the season. Yeah, because the wow. first episode was just before the season started, I think, so... Flying by. It's amazing actually how fast the season does fly by. You're in August and you're just kind of getting back to the rink and you're getting used to getting cold, being around an ice surface, and then before you know it, it's all done. And yeah, before you know it, we'll be into March. But uh, in any event, episode 12 Broncos This Week podcast. Big show coming up today. We're going to venture away from having a hockey themed feature guest today.
2: Yeah, we got uh, Joe Carnahan, the longtime coach of the Swift current 57s, on, of course, with the Broncos having their 57s night next Friday against uh, the Regina Pass. The team is going to be wearing some really cool uh, Swift Current 57s-themed jerseys. And uh, what better time than to get Joe Carnahan uh, into the, the office here and sit him down for, what was it, 25 minutes or so mm-hmm. we to be able to chat with him and get some stories and his insight on, uh, I guess, some of the Broncos and also on the 57s as well. Joe's a legend, too. He, he came to Swift Currents in 2000 as a player
1: and played for then the Swift Current Indians before they changed their name. But Joe, I think... Two championships as a player, and then he's brought three to Swift Current as a coach. So five championships since arriving in Swift Current. And he teaches at the high school. He helps kids out uh, in, in minor baseball. He's just been a, a huge asset to the community since he moved here back in 2000. He's originally from Wisconsin. So very much looking forward to chatting with Joe.
2: And we're also going to go down the pipeline this week for Crescent Point. Yeah, I caught up with Josh Davies. Of course, uh, kind of set the world on fire in the preseason with uh, his five goals. I think it was five goals in three games, before but uh, yeah. he's playing in uh, in Victoria this year for his uh, his Midget Prep season with the uh, Pacific Coast Academy so uh, was able to catch up with Josh. He had a big weekend, five points last weekend in a couple of games. So nice to talk with him and of course uh, Broncos head coach Dean Brockman to get his thoughts on uh, the mishap in Regina which uh, canceled the Broncos game which is now rescheduled for Tuesday so the Broncos make a uh, impromptu trip to Regina on Tuesday for that makeup game. Yeah, I want to circle back to Josh Davies just for a sec because uh, he
1: made his Western Hockey League debut on the Broncos' BC swing. You, of course, saw every minute of said BC swing doing play-by-play for the team. What, what was your assessment of what what Davies brought to the table? Yeah, I
2: think he just looked like a he looked like a regular player. He didn't look out of place at all. Uh, you know, he kind of obviously caught the attention of, of fans and, and maybe some scouts with his you know his goals in the preseason. But the thing that kind of stood out was his physicality. I mean, not the biggest guy in the world, maybe five ten ish, but just the way that he's able to, to get himself centered and low to the ice and have that low center. Of gravity and just kind of guys bounce off him when they go and try and hit him. So it's pretty impressive to watch. And uh, he, yeah, he kind of just can, uh, carried that on uh, in that game in Victoria. Didn't get on the score sheet. Of course, the team was actually shut out in that game for nothing. But, uh, you know, a solid debut for him and looking forward to seeing him hopefully more in this season as well. But, uh, of course, next season, uh, I'm sure he'll be a Bronco full time.
1: Exactly. Josh Davies on Down the Pipeline today on the Broncos This Week podcast. Down the Pipeline brought to you by Crescent Point, which is a good segue to uh, a game that's coming up on Wednesday. November twentieth here at the Innovation Credit Union Iplex Energy Sector Appreciation Night.
2: Yeah, saying uh, of course a big thanks to all the you know, men and women who work in the energy sector uh, in and around the uh, Swift Current area. So there's a special you know pack ticket package that's uh, being sold for adults and youth who work in that sector. You get a game ticket, a uh, beverage of choice. Of course, have to be 19 or older to, to make that choice a uh, beer or any sort of alcohol. You also get a hot dog or a hamburger. And also an entry to win a special limited edition Broncos hard hat. So all that, $25 for an adult and just $15 for you. So an unreal deal uh, for those of you who may be listening who do work in the energy sector in Southwest Saskatchewan. Uh, highly recommend you come out to that game and take advantage of that uh, awesome deal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, visit the stable. You
1: can call 306-773-1509 for more details and ask about the energy sector appreciation night package as we say thank you to the hardworking men and women that power the world from right here in southwest Saskatchewan. But, yes, that aforementioned 57s night, uh, that's also going to be coming up on Friday, November 22nd, where the Swiftkirt Broncos will don the green and orange in Swift current 57s-themed jerseys. All right, lots to talk about uh, from the hockey operations side of things. And uh, we'll also have a chat with Dean Brockman in just a moment. This is Broncos This Week, brought to you by Original 16.
0: You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos this week podcast
2: presented by Original Sixteen. It's time for our coaches segment, and we are joined by Swift Current Broncos head coach Dean Brockman. Dean, your team was supposed to have two games last week, and just had the one due to the uh, incident in Regina. Have you ever had anything like that happen to, to you before?
3: Yeah, you know what? It, it's crazy, but I have. Uh, it happened once in Humboldt, and uh, you know we you know we had we didn't have to cancel the game. It actually happened the night before, um, and the guys there uh, did a great job of getting it back for us uh, for a Sunday afternoon game. So. Yeah, it's uh, it was kind of an interesting time. But uh, you know what? It is what it is. It can happen anywhere. Um, you know what? Uh, it, it, like I said, it's uh, it's just something that can happen. I'm glad it's not in Vancouver where we have to go back there. It's <laughs> it's close to Regina. So it's all good, and uh, we'll be ready for them uh, when we go there on Tuesday.
1: All kinds of news involving the Swift Current Broncos and the Regina Pats. Uh, another deal made, Carter Chorney going for a uh, young defenseman in Sam McGinley. Uh, I'll ask you the the question about McGinley first and foremost what are we getting in return for for Carter Chorney
3: yeah you know Sam is uh, I've liked Sam since I saw him last year and uh, you know one thing about him he's a bigger body on our back end Uh, you know he is a guy that uh, I think has the potential to be a pro player he's big lengthy uh, you know plays with a little bit of a mean streak you know he's definitely got uh, the vision to move the puck quickly you know all those things transpire into a guy that I think is going to be really really solid for us you know right now he's uh, you know hasn't played a lot in the league and you know we have to be patient with them but you know down the road as uh, you know an 18 and a 19 year old I expect him to
2: be a really good player for us. And a guy I think especially for the defensive perspective looking to kind of shore up that area of your team and a guy like that can certainly help that out in a big way.
3: Yeah, no absolutely. I think that that's the hardest part is is trying to recycle things through and uh, you know we've got some young guys back there that we're very confident in and we have to you know try and insulate them too a little bit as well and you know when you look at our back end and you got all those 17 year olds and uh you know you got a few 18 year olds it, it's tough i mean it's a it's a nineteen, 18 19 year old league and those guys are uh, baptism by fire a little bit and uh you know we're pretty excited to have all of them back there
2: speaking of uh, those young guys one of them got his first career goal in moose jaw the 3-1 loss on saturday but what a cool moment for chase lacombe to get his first goal and also in his hometown of moose jaw as well
3: yeah i don't know if you could have wrote that script any better i, I think for uh chase who works extremely hard, you know, day in, day out, uh, you know, never panics about ice time. He just wants to be a, a swift current Bronco. And, you know, we love that about him. And and to be able to score in front of his uh, family and friends and, and actually be a star, you know, that's phenomenal. That's script written. You know,
1: that, that game in Moose Jaw, I mean, Chase LaCombe's first career goal, obviously a highlight from that one. I, obviously the, the final score is what jumps out at you. But, you know, what were what were some of the positives and the learning experiences that, uh, that you and the coach Staff saw from this young team in Moose Jaw.
3: Well, you know what, uh, you know Moose Jaw's got some guys. You know Braden Tracy, Ryder Korzak. You know Damon Hunt. You know those guys are really good players, and uh, you know they're high-end draft picks. Uh, you know they they can play. I mean, uh, it's fun to watch them. It's not so fun to coach against them. But uh, you know what, I thought our guys did a really good job. I thought uh, you know we competed hard for the full sixty minutes. We made a push in the third. That's kind of something that you know we've been trying to urge our group. You know, we have to push as much as we can. I liked how we competed, and that's something that I can't say uh, I've liked a lot of, but our guys were finishing checks. They were pressuring the puck. They were creating some turnovers. That's how we're going to score some more goals. Uh, you know, when we fly by and just stick check, it's it's not – that's we can't play that way and you know I was proud of our guys for trying to stick to the game plan especially when you have a bunch of new faces.
2: Speaking of those new faces and you talked about forcing turnovers that Sergei Alkamov forced three or four turnovers over the course of that game his first game as a Bronco and I think a guy that can win a lot of fans over with just his hard work in the offensive zone.
3: Well you know what uh, we've been looking for a player that uh, you know wants to get better you know as much as he does uh, you know he's at the gym he does extra time we just finished uh, you know 15 minutes video with him rehashing the last game uh, you know he pressured the puck relentlessly in the game yeah you know what it's great to see you know he, he wants to do more and more and more that's that's what he wants to do and you know we love that I think that's a little bit contagious you saw after practice you know Sergey was doing stuff well you know he brought a bunch of guys with him to do that extra stuff and you know what we really appreciate that because that's a, you know you got to have those types of guys leading the way and uh, you know it was fun to watch him play and he can be a fan favorite. He's quite the character.
2: And one of those guys who's also very clearly improving is Rafael Pelche. Picked up on a trade earlier this season. And that game in Lethbridge, he was one of your better players, I thought. And he's just looking like a guy who just continues to get better.
3: Yeah, Raf is, uh, you know, he's a fun kid to be around. I think, uh, you know, the way he approaches the game, uh, you know, just his personality and mentality about the game. I, again, another player, uh, you know, that's balancing his schoolwork and trying to work out and, and doing everything. I think he's getting more and more comfortable we like the fact that he can play down the middle. You know, last year he played with, uh, you know, I think Ginther and Savoy. So, you know, there's intelligence there to play with those two players. And, yeah, he's getting better and better. Just got to make sure he's he's got the slider frame, which uh, you can wear him out. So, you know, we have to be careful with his minutes. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Craig. He was definitely one of the better players. And, you know, what I liked about Raf was, uh, you know, he's playing against Dylan Cousins, who, you know, arguably could be, you know, top five in the league or whatever it is never batted an eye. He, you know, accepted the challenge and wanted it.
1: That's awesome to hear. Uh, this Saturday night, it's going to be the first home game in, in quite a while. I think there was a joke online about how the Broncos should just have another opening night, what with all the new faces and a lot of folks who haven't played their, their first home game yet that fans are unfamiliar with seeing live. You know, what's it going to be like f- for this crew to, to finally get that chance to play on home ice this Saturday?
3: Well, I think a lot of guys are going to be nervous to be honest with you because we have a lot of different faces and, you uh, You know what uh, it's been fun to kind of see how you know guys are finding new friendships and and playing for each other one thing I did notice in the dressing room this morning was there was actually talk and chatter and there was music playing and you know those are little things Uh, I know people don't understand that but for us you know it's a big deal when teammates are our teammates uh, and not uh, you know individuals and you know I like that part about our group I you know we're going to work hard we're going to do everything we can to win games and you know that opening night uh, you know I know there was guys talking about it already and uh, you know they're excited to play here and you know what it's a great place to play you know I think if you're a true hockey guy it, it is it's a lot of fun
2: and a chance to kind of build some excitement around the team too it was supposed to be a four-game homestand but now you have that Regina game on Tuesday but still a chance like you said for these guys to get their first action at home and maybe a chance to, to build some excitement for uh, the rest of the way
3: yeah absolutely I mean we're only a quarter done so we got a lot of hockey to play and uh, you know it, it's going to be a lot of fun we got some young guys that uh, you know need to grow and and maybe a little bit quicker than they should Uh, but you know you look at all the guys that uh, you know I've worked hard Uh, you know we've had great leadership out of out of our older guys you know that's one thing that you know needs to be said is you know Oster and Kaluski are two guys that you know want to control the room and want to make sure we're doing the right things and yeah that's fun to be a part of I mean you got to coach through your players at times and uh, those guys have done a tremendous job this is the
1: Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. Uh, Coming up later this month, we're going to have a special Swift Current 57s night uh, with special-themed green and orange 57s jerseys. That'll be a lot of fun. And in just a moment, we'll go from one coach to another as 57s coach Joe Carnahan
0: joins us on Broncos This Week. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original
1: 16. Enjoying an Original 16 right now with the coach of the Swiftcurrent 57s. Joe Carnahan is here. Uh, normally we're a hockey-themed show. We're delving into baseball as uh, the Swiftcurrent Broncos are having their Swiftcurrent 57s theme night coming up on November 22nd where they will wear 57s themed jerseys. Joe, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast here. Thanks for, for heading down here in a busy schedule for you.
4: No, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here.
1: Not the first time I've interviewed you, obviously. Be in the, uh, the play- play-by-play voice of the the Swift Kern Indians and eventually the 57s and it, it was tough to pin you down for this like you're really baseball's kind of a year-round
4: thing for you eh? yeah I got some things going on this year with uh, minor ball open up a new facility this year so some kids are working out in there and and uh gotten the opportunity to help them out a little bit and then just teaching daily and, and just running around with my own kids.
1: Yeah, for sure. Teaching daily, yeah. So so you're not a baseball guy year-round. Like What what pays the majority of the bills is actually uh, teaching at the comp, eh?
4: Yeah, teaching at the comp. Teach auto body there and, and uh, it's a lot of fun. The kids have been real good and and have a good uh, staff to work with. We've got uh, Darren Evian right down the hall and, and we have a lot of fun down there.
1: So the coach of the 57's, the Legionnaires, you guys are kind of next door to each other for uh, at the comp school there
4: yeah yeah and, and right now we're running a we're running a floor hockey intramural floor hockey uh, right now and we actually had our first trade this uh today two teams made a trade and and uh we'll have to have that announced tomorrow during during lunch or something over the intercom
2: i think the kids will be crushed a little bit when they get traded on their floor hockey teams
4: well there's one team that was a little bit fired up but i think you know once uh once the dust settles, settles it'll be fine was
2: it a situation of a player asking
1: out or what what happened there
4: i think it was more of a need i think the the, the one team needed a goalie, and and uh, he got swapped and. And it happens, I guess.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a good hockey trade. Yeah, so commissioner of a floor hockey league, high school teacher, baseball coach, man of many hats here. Got to ask you initially, uh, what was your reaction when you heard that the the Swift Current Broncos were going to be doing a 57s-themed jersey?
4: Pretty cool. I mean, uh, just getting that and and, uh, having the Broncos wearing that and and just being associated with an organization like this is a pretty good opportunity. And and, uh, I'm sure the jerseys are going to look pretty good.
2: And it's a good chance to bring together the two, I guess, the two main sports teams in Swift Current to kind of get them together, to, to come together in something like this. To kind of, It's nice to see that the fans can show their support for both the Broncos and the 57s at the same time.
4: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, just being able to represent this city and, and uh, I mean, that's year-round. Broncos are here for the majority of the year, nine months, and then we take up the other three and and uh, it's, that's kind of a 12-month cycle here.
1: And, and you're kind of dipping your toe a little bit in, uh, I, I don't want to say the hockey coaching waters, but you're helping out with the, the Legionnaires as well well
4: oh yeah just doing some workouts with them and stuff and yeah evs Ev's, uh, has me doing that and kids are working hard and enjoying it they just made the max tournament and and, uh, they're pretty excited for that
2: well, and you mentioned being right next door to uh, uh, Evian as well. So you get two coaches kind of next to each other. I'm sure you guys talk all the time. Do you have some coaching tips? Do you guys kind of just trade back and forth?
4: Well, I just try to pick up everything he does. I don't have many tips. <laughs> I just try to try to learn from him.
1: Well, what's it like, uh, you know, the, the difference? Because you, you're, you're working with both sports. You've been a longtime coach of the Swift Current 57s, formerly the Swift Current Indians. You're helping Evs out with uh, the Legionnaires. Like, well, I guess what would be the main difference between hockey and baseball players?
4: Uh, with the Legionnaires, I'm just pretty much there once or twice a week just when they're in the gym and that. And uh, yeah, the age difference is the big thing with, with us. I mean, his kids are 15, 16, 17. Ours are 19 to 22. So, I mean, just the just the age difference there.
2: Well, that kind of goes hand-to-hand with your coaching with the 57s as well because you do coach those older kids, but in high school, you're teaching the younger kids. So do you notice a huge difference when trying to teach these kids in school and then coaching the kids uh, on, the, on the diamond?
4: A lot of it is... Uh, Uh, I mean... The older kids kind of been through a lot of uh, a lot of some of the stuff the younger kids have. So whether whether it be success, whether it be failure, you know, and all, I'm not saying they're not going to have that going forward, but but a lot of times they they may know how to handle a little bit better. So I think at a younger age you're kind of help them help them a little bit work through that, and uh, you still do that as an, at an older age as well. But but it's just a little different capacity.
1: I want to rewind and and go way back to the beginning of your Swift Current experience. Uh, you originally arrived in Swift as a player for the the then swift current indians how, how did that all materialize you coming back here i think what 2000 was your first year here
4: yeah 2001 it was uh yeah all of a sudden i was i was down at iowa western uh where i went to school and and uh, this guy named Harvey martinez gave me a call and and i didn't really know what to think i mean Saskatchewan. i i don't, I don't know i didn't know what to think then and um and what happened was a bunch of my buddies back at home in Wisconsin ended up getting in trouble, so my mom actually told me, "You're not coming. You're not coming back home. You're going up there for the summer. Go play baseball." And and. Uh, so I ended up coming up here, and I was the last guy here, and, and they ended up giving me number fifty-one and, and a hat that was a little bit big, but whatever, it worked out.
2: <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel Air situation—they're sending off, so you don't get in trouble. But you come to Swift Current. I mean, what were your expectations? Did you know anything about Saskatchewan or maybe Swift Current more specifically before you came here?
4: I didn't know much about uh, Swift Current or Saskatchewan, but I knew the organization was good, and I, I knew they've had a lot of success, and. Uh, and I knew Harv was a very good coach and had a lot of connections. And it was going to be a good time.
1: A lot of guys that played in the league and, and play in the league, it's it's a one-and-done league for a lot of players in terms of playing one season. But you came back for several. What what was it initially that brought you back to, to Swift for multiple seasons?
4: Uh, just the culture. I mean, the, the atmosphere within the organization and the team was a lot of fun. Harv made it a lot of fun. He he was clear, um, had clear uh, expectations, kept people accountable, and helped you develop and get better. And and he recruited a lot of good guys. So I mean, it was it was pretty much hitting the jackpot. You know, you're hanging out with good guys all summer. You're getting better, and you know he's got connections to help you out in the future too.
2: And what can you say about the community aspect of coming to a small city like Swift Current? you know you're a kind of a center stage guy in the summer when a lot of people come and watch you during games uh, throughout the summer.
4: Yeah, it was it was fun um the hometown i'm originally from is small it's smaller than this about nine thousand people and and the big difference coming here was just uh, you know you're on the radio for interviews and back then they had a little tv station and uh just just that kind of stuff and and we, i didn't really have that before but just a little bit of that stuff the media coverage and that
1: You were a guy, as a player, you were dangerous at the plate, and you were also a left-handed pitcher that I believe touched 90. Did you ever get any looks from, from the pros?
4: No, maybe a little bit, but I wasn't good enough at either. That's probably why I did both. But uh, You're
1: downplaying that. I mean, you you were <laughs> legit. Like, there's got to be more to the story than that.
4: No, I was okay. But, I mean, for for a college player, I was all right. And, and uh, for up here, I did pretty good. I think I had a lot of fun up here. So probably played a little bit better up here than I did at school. And and uh, I didn't get very many looks. Just, just had fun and liked winning up here.
2: And it's not exactly lucrative. I mean, if you if you were approached for a, a minor contract, it's not exactly a lucrative deal where you're making tons of money playing, you know, low A, whatever it may be, right?
4: Yeah, it's it's quite a grind. The guys that are that are in the minors and and guys that do independent ball, it's it's a grind. I mean, we we have quite a few guys still playing and over the years playing, and and it's a deal where they're they're grinding it out and they're getting jobs in the off season and that kind of stuff, and and it's a, it's kind of a sport where when you do make it, then that's when you get your big reward.
1: Are you still scouting at all?
4: Uh, no, not anymore. Not doing that anymore.
1: But do some name dropping though, because you were working for some major league teams for a while.
4: Yeah, I worked with the Phillies for a little bit, and then uh, and that was uh, just for one year. And then and we got a lot of guys. Uh, we got a lot of guys around right now in, in some different organizations, and uh, through college and all that. And and uh, there's it's branched out pretty good.
2: Well, and speaking of seeing guys, you know, come through here and then go on to have success, whether it's in college or pro ball, as the coach, I mean how much pride do you take in seeing your guys move on to to bigger and better things so to speak
4: oh that's the that's one of the most important you know whether it's whether it's baseball or something else just guys succeeding in life and and uh, baseball wise we got We got guys everywhere right now. We got guys, a couple division ones in California. We got a guy division one in West Virginia. We got a couple guys working at Drive Line, um, Nebraska Omaha. So there's there's guys down in Texas. We got guys working everywhere right now, and and uh, it's it's just nice to see guys continue with the game, continue to help other people, and and you know it's good to see.
1: And Jose Rojas, uh, a Swift Current Indians alum, to, to keep an eye on. He's making waves in in the Angels organization too.
4: Yeah, I thought he was going to get called up this year. He had a he had a great year. He hit over three hundred, had over thirty some home runs, hundred some RBIs, and in AAA. And and uh, for whatever reason, he didn't quite get called up. Probably. He's kind of playing in an organization that has a lot of position players and not a lot of pitching, and he's a position guy, so kind of a little bit of a log jam there. And, and then you got Hunter Owen. He got up to AAA this year as well, so hopefully he can – he's knocking on the door. Hopefully he can bust through pretty soon too.
2: Do you think Rojas is one of, if not the best player, that you've seen come through, Swift Current?
4: Uh, There's been quite a few. I mean, he's – since I've been here, he's, um, he's the one that's made it the furthest. I mean, that guy could hit. He could always hit. And, and ironically, that was – the year he was up here was probably uh, record-wise, anyways, one of our worst. Well, it was record-wise, probably the worst season that we had. Just we just couldn't get things going with a lot of injuries and stuff. And and with that group, to give them a lot of credit, they needed to win. I think it was something like six games in a row at the end just to get in the playoffs. And and they stuck together and they ended up doing that and and made a playoff push at the end there. I want
1: to segue that into this year's team because again, it was a team that really was hurt by injuries. You you lost you know several several key guys, yet you still finished the year. I think it was something like winners of 18 of your last 20. Uh, eliminated a very capable Weyburn team in the first round. I mean, we haven't really had the chance to do uh, the whole wrap-up of this year's season with any media, but, you know, what was your thoughts on, on how things went this year and the guys that you had?
4: No, the group that we had this year, this was this was a great group to be around and and uh if you know me i don't i don't just throw that out there just throw it out there it was a was a real great group of guys uh the guys bought in they had a lot of fun and and they just grinded all the way to the very end and it was a real good group and like you said we had a couple had a couple injuries and stuff late past the deadline so we couldn't really add any guys and, and the guys that we still had um they grinded till the very end and did a good job
2: Talked about the team winning 18 of 20 or whatever it was to finish off the season. I think the word momentum in sports gets thrown out a lot, but do you think it was applicable to your team down that stretch?
4: Yeah, I think everybody just relaxed. And, and, the, and the thing with summer baseball, I guess it would be like anything, but but they're only here for maybe two and a half months. Uh, they just got done with the fixed 56-game schedule down at school. Then once they leave here, they go down to fall, and that's – that's about two months, and that's harder than the regular season down there. So, I mean, for those guys to come up here and and uh, and do what they did, play and and have fun, and stick it out till the end, um, it's just a, just a attribute to the group of guys that we had, and we had a lot of momentum at the end there. And then uh, game three, there, a the kid from Regina, we just ran in a good pitcher,
1: coach of the year this year as well in the league. You know, what was it like getting that call?
4: Yeah, it's just. That's just the players. I mean, uh, they have to give that award, I guess, out every year, but that's more more for the more for the players. I mean, they're the ones that do all the work and stuff, and, and uh, they did a good job this year.
1: I got a story about this guy when it comes to personal awards too. It was 2004. It was my first year doing play-by-play. And uh, Joe and I, we actually started hanging out away from the field and everything, and he was an American import. He didn't have his own car, so I gave him rides everywhere. And uh, I remember you went back to Wisconsin. After the season, and unbeknownst to me, you had won the league MVP award, and you left the league MVP award in my car. It actually <laughs> sat there for a few weeks before I even noticed it. Like, and 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 I've always really respected that mindset because to you, it's just like individual accomplishments. Just I don't want to say they don't matter, and I don't want to say that you weren't happy to win Coach of the Year, but it's just always seemed so secondary to you.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I've always I've always uh, just like the people i've been around um succeeding as a group working hard together as a group and and uh, at the end i mean you win a championship together at the end that's the ultimate goal and the individual stuff for me is just i don't know whatever it's individual stuff doesn't doesn't really do a lot for me i just like the relationships that we that we make and and uh just have those lasting over the years
2: i think every coach has their own coaching style and in this setting you seem very laid back and relaxed but as a coach i'm wondering what your Kind of usual uh, go-to tactics are for whether it's motivating players or helping them to get better and better.
4: Uh, the big thing is just just making it making it fun for the guys I mean like I said they just get done with a 56 game schedule so they're coming up here they probably went home to maybe change suitcases then they get right back up here and start playing again and make it fun for them uh you know make sure they're accountable playing the game the right way and all that but but make it fun make coming to the park you know the highlight of their day and you know if we're able to accomplish that then then uh You know the relationships will be built among the guys and and we'll have some success
1: it's such an interesting league to manage though because you have that tight schedule and a lot of baseball and not a lot of days and these kids are coming up for a summer ball experience they're looking to have fun i mean it it must be a bit of a balancing act you know when to crack the whip on the guys and when to just you know we had a bad game let's just leave it behind us like that that's got to take some skill to manage
4: yeah, you have to have a short memory. I mean, this year during that stretch when we when we uh, won quite a few games there, I think we played. Shoot, I think it was twenty six and twenty seven days or something like that. So it's just short memory, good or bad. It's a little different the first year I came up here. So we played twenty six games in a row this year. First year, first year I came up here, we we had twenty four games the whole season. So I mean, <laughs> as far as cracking the whip, I think Carve had a little more, a little more. Uh, <laughs> had a little more time to do that than than i have to
1: i uh, one of the craziest coaching decisions i've seen in any sport you know where i'm going to go with this it was late 2016 your team was on i think a four-game skid and you just lost in weyburn you were heading into regina the next day and you had a meeting in the weyburn hotel with the players and you, you you know which story i'm talking about it was the batting practice one where basically you told the guys they could wear whatever they wanted to bp that day like what what was the coaching strategy behind that move because and i remember we did a video and it went viral like there were guys wearing pantyhose and whatnot and batting practice and there were guys wearing dresses and high-vis vests basically whatever they could find at the wayburn salvation army it was crazy but uh, you know what what was your mindset going into that as you yourself even dressed up in some sort of cowboy getup.
4: Yeah, well, we were, our team was pretty good that year. I think we were in first place, and, and uh, we had one of those teams where where you knew unless guys checked out or, or some major injuries happened, you had a pretty good chance to finish the season off with a championship. And uh, we got to the point, it was late in the season, uh, we lost a couple of games, and you could just see the atmosphere. Guys guys just wanted to get the regular season over and start the playoffs. Like they are they're done. They just wanted to get rolling with the playoffs. They did enough in the regular season and just wanted to wanted to make it fun again and uh, so what we did we had a meeting we had a meeting after the game in Weyburn um, that had a little different message and then uh, we had a meeting the next day um, in Weyburn at the hotel and it was it was pretty much one of those where all right uh, let's have some fun The bus leaves in two hours you guys got to be on the bus. You wear whatever you want, and that's what you're wearing for BP. And uh, and yeah, there's some. We had a fashion show on the on the bus on the way to Virginia, <laughs> and it was it was pretty fun. The guys had a lot of fun, and and uh, yeah, that, that uh, Salvation Army and Weyburn, they they had some good sales that day.
1: And and you the the epilogue to that story is you went on. You snapped a four game skid, and I think you put up like 10 runs in the first inning or something after you did that. So. Yeah
4: yeah well we walk in the funny thing is we walk in so we park be, kind of behind the behind the backstop that's where they let us off behind the bleachers there and, and we walk in everybody's wearing this and you got guys wearing uh like the one guy he's got I guess like a girl's one-piece swimsuit on the top and whatever on the bottom and <laughs> and and then all of a sudden I look around and I'm like oh there's some cameras here this is a televised game hey. <laughs> so, so so we go there and uh and they're looking at us and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They're looking at us kind of like a little weird like they should. And uh and I asked the guys, well is televised? They're like, Oh yeah, we're doing it for sure now. So they <laughs> went and took B P and all their stuff and uh and I think our first five guys got hits, and and uh, we had a bullpen in that game, too, and and uh, we pitched well, hit well, and and kind of had some fun there on out.
2: I think there was another video that went a little bit viral this summer from the season. I think it was in a, a game in Regina. There was some pretty crazy weather, and the tarp was blowing all over the field. Oh, and wavering. Way, yeah. Wavering, yeah. So, I mean, that was probably the craziest weather you saw this year, but in all your years playing baseball, not only here in Swift Current, what's some of the, the wildest weather mishaps that you've seen?
4: Oh, man, the we- the weather up here in the summer, it's – with the wind, and then all of a sudden you get hail and and all that whatnot, but I would say that was a that was a crazy one just because the tarp blew off and it came right in our dugout. So it was kind of like a uh, so there's all this water on the tarp and you see it rise and rise and it's like oh no, and then all of a sudden it's like a tidal wave that came in the dugout and it's over the top of the dugout and, and everybody's soaked. Nobody can see. There's cell phones everywhere. They uh, they had a gator on the one side and the gator moved probably about 15 feet with the wind in the tarp. And that was I would say that was probably the craziest one.
1: You know you. Uh I remember back in the day, you know, spending the summer doing play-by-play in my first season. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to be traveling with the baseball team. We're going to have some road stories. We're going to hit all the bars. It's going to be great. And I, I, I guess I was kind of surprised with how low-key and professional it was, you know? Like, over the years, I mean, what, what are some of the stories? I, I mean, generally, I, I think you've been a pretty well-behaved bunch. But are there any stories that, that come to mind from the road?
4: Uh, well, the the craziest stories are when when uh, that we can say on here, anyways, are when uh, when we first when I first joined the team, we had we had to take these big passenger vans, and so we're taking a passenger van from. Uh, where was it, Melville? And it was I think the game went like 17 innings or something it finally ended. So we got to drive home after. It's like this is this is ridiculous. So we drive home. One of the vans break down. So they're going to a farmer's house and and all of a sudden they, uh, whatever we're back on the road again. And the worst part about that was we get home at about 6 a.m. Then we got to get up or not get up, but we gotta I guess take a little bit of a nap. Then we're heading to Weyburn at 11 or uh, sorry Lethbridge at 11 that day. So that was. That one kind of sucked a little bit, but it's it's a little bit better now with the with the bus and all that.
1: I know one of the one of the stories. I wasn't there for it, but uh, Park Bag, which okay. is on road to Regina, you guys had a bus breakdown in Park Beg back in the day. And anyone who's driven through there, then Park Bag, you got that cafe on the right side that was, as uh, you're eastbound that was in Harris or hair saskatoon but there was a park bag story too wasn't there where there's there's the the old restaurant on the right and then there's that dilapidated old house on the left side of the road and didn't you didn't you guys find like a stuffed rabbit
4: in there and hang it in the window and wasn't it there for like a couple of years oh that was that was before i got here that was <laughs> that was with kelly Haraska and those guys i wasn't oh, okay uh, i wasn't here yet but we had that one in harris where the bus broke down on our way to saskatoon <laughs> and and, and I don't know. They had to find a way for us to get to Saskatoon, and there was some car chase or whatever going on up there. So <laughs> they end up getting some cabs, and and our guys are sitting on Main Street of Harris, and it must have been their high school graduation, and kids driving by honking the horn. and Our guys are hitting ground balls and throwing and whatever <laughs> right in the right in the middle of Main Street Harris, and then all of a sudden some cabs show up, so we're riding in the parking cabs, and uh, we get out. I don't get about 15 minutes to warm up or whatever because we're already a little bit late, and then and then give the guys credit—they came out and and we ended up winning that game.
1: <laughs> so yeah, solid story there. You know, one story that that always sticks out. It was in Melville. It would have been back in '04 again. One of the one of my early years doing this, and it, it was. I think your playing days. I think you were two or three years left playing at the time but uh, you know I think your arm was hanging on by a thread you had to pitch that night and I remember just asking you are you going to be okay heading into tonight and your answer to that was well I guess I have to be and I think you went seven strong and you know held them off the board for the most part you know what do you remember about that game and just you know that attitude of you know I guess find a way or make one in situations like that
4: well, it's just the guys you're hanging out with, you know. You you want to once the summer's over, you, you you don't see these guys. A lot of these guys you don't get to see again. So you want to do anything you can to to push it one more day to be able to hang out with them and and uh, go to battle with them and stuff and and. Uh, yeah, our guys played good defense and, and thank goodness for ibuprofen and, and Aleve leave <laughs> and all that. And, and our, we hit the ball well and, and we ended up winning that one and, and uh, won game three as well.
2: I think that's kind of a huge part of sports that maybe athletes don't realize it at the time, but when they're, you know, whatever their playing days are done, whether it's junior or pro, whatever it is, but times change. You don't see these guys or girls as much as you used to. And it's something that you kind of have to really enjoy as much as possible while you're during those days, isn't it?
4: Well, that's the thing. Everybody's got a window, and, uh, you know, you can. the window's going to close for everybody eventually, and, and as a player, you can just keep popping that window open, you know, day by day, and, and uh, some guys get a window. Their window stays open a lot longer than other guys, but uh, just just the culture of, of team sport and being around the guys uh, in the locker room, in the dressing room, and practice day to day. I mean, the games are fun, but it's all the other stuff that, that really – People really, really remember.
1: I want to ask you about a, a news story that's making the rounds about the the Houston Astros mm-hmm. and revealed that they've been uh, that they have a camera set up that's catching uh, catcher signs and they're relaying info to their hitters and everything. Uh, first and foremost, being the '57s video guy, do you want me to rig something like that up at Mitchell Field?
4: Hey, uh, I don't know, better not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I guess, it, and what it was was uh, you know just for people that maybe don't follow baseball real closely. What they were doing was they were relaying to their hitters via noises when a pitcher is going to throw a changeup. Why is it advantageous, in particular, to know when a changeup is coming from a hitter's perspective?
4: Well, then if you know that like you want to always or most time you're sitting on a fastball or looking to hit a fastball, and if you know it's not a fastball, then depending on what your approach is, you can just take it. You know, you don't you're not going to chase it or anything like that. Or if you want to sit on it, then you can sit on it and hit that. But but a lot of times, especially with a changeup, because it looks so much like a fastball, and that's the one where where you can either swing through or, or have weak contact. So so to know if that's coming, that's that's pretty uh, pretty big advantage.
1: I know there was a story years ago where you guys you, you did you weren't doing anything illegal. You didn't have any cameras set up, but uh, I always love this story years ago. You were facing an absolute stud of a pitcher, and he had shut you guys down a few weeks before, and you were facing him. Again, and you he basically and, and you can get into it as much as you want, but you guys discovered a tell with his approach, eh?
4: Yeah, he's tipping his pitches. Um, he's he was uh, a couple weeks, weeks before, like you said, he shut us out pretty good, and and this happened to be in the finals. And uh, he was tipping his pitches, he was he was doing something with his glove there that that we caught early on, and uh, we were able to take advantage of it. And uh, facing a guy like him. Um, it was it was important that we were able to do that and and uh, you know trust in your teammates that that what they saw is right and, and it worked out for us
1: you didn't have the benefit of a camera system how did you guys figure that out
4: uh, you're always looking for something. Uh, you're always looking for something to get some sort of an advantage, and uh, you always look to see if the pitcher's doing something different, the catcher's doing something different, maybe the uh, maybe the uh, infielders or outfielders are lining up a little bit different, whatever it may be. You're always looking for something for an advantage, and if they get into if they get into a uh, kind of a rhythm where they do the same thing. When they're only throwing a fastball or, or whatever, if you can pick that up, then it, I mean it just makes things so much easier.
2: Is that one of the biggest examples of tipping a guy's pitches that you've seen as a as a coach here?
4: Um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, it happens every year, and, and you know we've had some of our guys have been doing that and, and or have done that, and you try to try to catch that and let them know that. So all of a sudden, the other teams aren't aren't uh, relaying relaying the pitches of their hitters as well.
1: The team this year, I know that uh you know you're you're a coach may through August, but uh, it's really a year round thing. How's everything coming together for the team this year
4: ah uh, good good we ha- we have a very good core group coming back and uh and very happy with that um, today actually we just we just uh looks like we're gonna sign three more pitchers today, and uh right now our roster looks. Looks pretty good, happy with where we're at and and like you said, though it's ongoing, stuff changes day to day and you just gotta stay on top of it and we'll just keep continuing to add to our roster.
1: Guys from uh, from last year making yeah. a comeback this year?
4: Yeah, quite a few. We got uh Tanner Holand, Echout, uh Keel Crumweedy, uh, Aaron pew Graham Cherry, um probably m Chuck's coming back from a couple years ago, Binsfeld. Uh, Might be missing a couple off the top of my head. Uh, Alex Dinette, Luis Navarro. So we got a we got a good core group coming back and and uh, excited about that.
1: And I always say with you as a coach, it's uh, it's similar to the Hockey Canada expectations where if you go a year without winning a championship, then there's you know certainly some disappointment there. It's it's all in every year it seems with you.
4: Yeah, I mean you you think about all the work that because we're you know like same as same as with the Broncos, we're a volunteer based organization as far as there's no owner and uh, a lot of the people who get the sponsorship and all that. Well, all the people that go and get the sponsorship and all that they're all volunteers so they're taking time away from their family uh, extra time upon the regular job that they do have to get all the sponsorship to to sell all the tickets to make sure everything operates the correct way and then you also got the community who come out and support us and in every year um, I mean, we control our roster every year and and that's I mean it's it's what we should do is try to win a championship every year bringing the best possible players we can
2: and this is kind of the city where is it I mean now that the organization has had so much success is it is it easier to um, to get players to come who haven't been here before because obviously the recruiting process is kind of a, a year-round thing so have you noticed as the years have gone on that it's gotten a bit easier to recruit some guys
4: Um, it's our, I guess our guys are branching out a little bit right now, so it's good in the sense that uh, we have quite a few connections. Uh, in the same sense, though, you're battling with a lot of... I mean, there's there's probably 250 uh, collegiate summer teams like ourselves. So you're not only battling with the teams in our league, you're battling with those guys as well. And and it's always a challenge. And and uh, you have to make sure you're on top of it because guys are going to get injured. The draft is in early... Uh, the drafts in early June so that ends up happening kind of you want to know who's got a chance and and have guys replace them as well
1: yeah and and that recruiting piece you know it's it's huge because I know that you guys have the clubhouse now like obviously that aids in trying to bring some top-end talent here
4: yeah that made a big difference this year having that I mean the guys uh, the guys took full advantage of that and, and as they should it's a great place for we got 30 guys I mean they they need somewhere to hang out and and uh, I think that did a lot to do with our common and
2: and gelling together. You think this is the kind of place where, you know, from an outside perspective, it may not look like the most desirable place to play, but once you get here, you realize how special it is to be here.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a small town, and and a lot of people. I remember the one roster we had in I believe it was 2014. We had. I think a roster—a guy from Miami, guy from Jacksonville, uh, guy from LA, guy from Sacramento—so all these big cities, and then they all come here, and they and they just loved it, and it, it takes a little bit, maybe a little bit time for them to adjust but it doesn't get any better and better than this because you're here. um, Everybody knows who you are. You have a good following of people and you don't have schoolwork to do. So you work out, you play baseball, you hang out with your buddies. I mean, that's pretty, it's a pretty good summer to have.
1: Yeah. What do you think about the, uh, I mean, the move to the 56 game schedule this year? Like it's a lot of baseball and not a lot of time. We talked about how we are playing in an unpredictable climate. Like how how do you feel about that and about how the teams in the league have been able to adjust to that
4: yeah it's a lot of games it's uh, a lot of games like you said in a short amount of time and and usually with the rain and the weather you it's like last year where you end up playing about 26 in a row or 26 out of 27 and uh the biggest thing is every day has got to be a new day and, and take care of your body and take care of yourself. And it's a, it's a, it's a good fun league. Uh, A lot of neat parks, a lot of uh, old professional parks and, and a lot of rivalries within the league as well.
2: And quickly the, or going to the change of the league I guess I could say I think it's Yorkton and Melville who are taking one year absences absences and now Medicine Hat moves into your division as well so that kind of changes things for you as well.
4: Yeah, it's I mean as far as Medicine Hat coming over here that's awesome. I mean it's only 2 hours away. They're a very good organization, so it's it's always fun to play teams like that when you're going to the park, you know you're playing a good team, a uh, good organization and it usually brings out the best out of both teams.
1: And that pretty much it takes when when you compare with other teams in the league like Swift has a pretty desirable travel schedule now i would say
4: yeah getting uh or not getting but uh with yorkton and melville not in the league anymore that kind of that eliminates a little bit of travel out east there you know that four and a half five hours and and staying out there for depending on what the league did as far as scheduling staying out there for four to six nights it's it'll be nice to be able to make some day trips
1: Well, the beauty of us doing this on a medium where you can hear but you can't see is we can unveil to you what the Swift Current 57's limited edition jerseys look like while still not spoiling it and adding some suspense for when we do a different reveal. So, And I know that you ordered one special customized, so I'm going to present this to you now, your first look at it here. You got the uh, 57's green and the orange there. Uh, very similar look to what we do in uh, baseball season you know i think you must order this for your father-in-law because it's yep, got sluicer yep, on the back yep. here but uh, we'll give that to you joe and you know what are your thoughts on seeing you know a, a, a look that you helped design in hockey form
4: this is these are nice real nice uh whoever whoever put the design to these did a great job and and i think the fans and the players and everybody are going to be very impressed
1: a baseball feel on a hockey jersey. Well, we thank you wholeheartedly for being here. And just a reminder to season tickets, there is that 57s night jersey draw. Make sure and pull those out of your season ticket books and bring those to the game on November 22nd when the uh, Swift Current Broncos in the orange and green are going to be repping the 57s. Joe, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. We could go on for hours with different stories, but uh, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to, to come hang with us today, man.
4: Well,
0: oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's time to go down the pipeline Presented by Crescent Point
2: Davies scores A hat trick for Josh Davies
0: Will we take a look at the next generation Of Swift Current Broncos
2: Broncos This Week Podcast presented by Original 16 It's time to go down the pipeline for Crescent Point And we are joined on the line now By Broncos prospect Josh Davies Josh, uh, how's it going today? yourself doing good thanks uh calling to you from uh victoria which is where you're playing midget this year and you're actually an airdrie alberta guy so uh tell us about uh this move to victoria to uh jump up to the midget prep division
5: uh the move the move's been great um the league's fantastic uh the boys are starting to finally roll um and yeah just looking forward to what's to come
1: yeah man uh how's the how's the transition to major midget been going for you
5: uh, the transition, it was it was okay at first. Uh, once it started going, uh, I kind of adjusted to it, and uh, now I'm just starting to roll.
2: Yeah, I know it kind of took you a little while to, I don't know, get your footing, I guess you could say, in that in that midget division. But this past weekend, you had a great weekend. You had three goals, two assists, and two games against uh, uh, Shawnee and Lake School. So uh, do you feel like the confidence is kind of gaining as you get more games under your
5: belt? Yeah, when, when my game game-by-game goes by, uh, I start to get more confidence with more ice time. Uh, holding on to the puck more helps a lot more um but yeah just the, the guys that support uh the support of the guys it's just it's just great all around
1: yeah this is the first time we've uh caught up with you since training camp and uh you know you were the talk of training camp for a while after going into regina and getting a hat trick and another multiple goal game as well you know what did that do for your confidence uh heading out to vancouver island
5: it kinda of boosted it a bit, but I, I didn't wanna go into uh, the midget prep league this year too overconfident. Uh, gotta keep my head gotta keep my head straight. Um, can't can't really overthink that. It's just gotta keep going can't uh, can't let one thing get to my head and just yeah i just gotta keep going
2: now the offensive show was was impressive in itself but another thing that i noticed about your game that really caught me off guard was the the strength you've got on your skates it would seem like guys would try and come in and knock you down and all of a sudden they're the ones who end up on their backside how did you end up just so strong on your skates and able to fend off these hits
5: uh just just through the summer i trained i trained pretty hard with crash conditioning um and yeah I just I like to be I like to have a low center of gravity so I kind of stay low all the time but yeah I just I try to be ready for whatever comes
2: now playing uh, on on Vancouver Island of course the Broncos made their way through the BC division and uh, you got into the lineup for the first time in your Western Hockey League career in uh, Victoria I think you knew about a week and a half or two weeks ahead of time that you were going to play in that game so was it a matter of crossing off days on the calendar waiting for that day to come
5: uh yeah, it was definitely crossing off days on the calendar for sure, but uh I just didn't wanna go in there overthinking it. It's just another hockey game, so I just tried my best and worked hard and but yeah, it wasn't the result that came out of the game, but it was it was a great experience.
1: Yeah, a great experience. You you managed to see a, a fair bit of ice time out there. You know, what what was your assessment of your performance in uh, in your first taste of Western Hockey League action?
5: I thought I was tough on the puck. Uh, I was skating well, just moving my feet. Um, well, I didn't get enough shots off that I wanted to, but, yeah, the coaches uh, seemed like they put a lot of trust in me that game. Uh, gave me quite a bit of ice, which is greatly appreciated, but, yeah, it was, it was a great experience all around.
2: Well, and speaking of the coaching staff, I mean, obviously after the impressive preseason you had, I would imagine they were pretty happy with your performance. So uh, what kind of conversations have you had, uh, I guess, with them throughout the season and uh, especially after that first game?
5: Uh yeah, they were just saying, uh, just don't don't let everything anything get to your head, uh, just keep going and uh we'll try and get you in some more games which uh which uh, was awesome but um yeah just pretty much said just don't let anything get to your head and just keep keep pushing
2: well and you also got a chance to work closely with brandon cote at the whl cup i know the the end result wasn't there for you guys that uh, team alberta was hoping for but uh, a chance to kind of get to know brandon cote a little bit better and uh, play with some of the top guys uh, in your age group from alberta what was the uh, whl cup experience like for you
5: yeah it was it was it was it was great yeah cote he's a great coach great guy um Probably one of the best I've ever had, but uh, yeah, it was great. Players were great. Uh, experience is great. Um, competition was awesome. Uh, yeah, it was. It was just really good all around. You're knee-deep
1: into your season now in uh, Victoria. You know, what are some of the goals that you have for yourself this year, uh, playing midget on the island there?
5: Uh, yeah, uh, my, one of my goals is to get over maybe a point per game, but. Uh, you know, that not, might, not, might not happen, but we'll see. Got to keep pushing. Um, just to get better all around, try and make the Broncos next year, which is one of my top goals. Um, also, you know, hopefully get an invite to the U-17s is at the top of the list but yeah i just got to keep pushing can't 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 let anything get to my head and just just keep going full, full throttle
2: and when it comes to making the broncos next year uh, potentially as a full-time western hockey league player i mean let's look a couple years down the line here josh when you look at yourself as maybe an 18 or 19 year old in the western league what kind of role do you see yourself playing in this league
5: uh I'd say uh, I should see myself uh, as a power forwarder on that team if uh, I get the chance to. Um, a guy that's kind of relied on if necessary, but I don't want I don't want to get too far into it because it, it hasn't happened yet, but yeah, that's my goal is to get on that team and hopefully be one of the top players.
2: Well, that's great, Josh. I uh, appreciate you taking a call here and uh, best luck the rest of the way. We'll be keeping in touch.
5: Yeah, thank you.
0: You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original Sixteen. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Nice chat with Swift Current
1: 57's coach Joe Carnahan, number 51 as a player and as a coach. I, I didn't realize the whole story was he was like the last guy to arrive for the 2000 team, and 51 was like the only jersey they had left. I always thought that that was a preference thing.
2: but no, that's, uh, that's a classic story. A guy shows up late or, or last or whatever it may be, and they're like, well, like, we're kind of short on stock here, guys. They talked about the <laughs> oversized hat as well, so probably the last <laughs> hat they had and the last jersey they had, but it worked out pretty well for Joe, I'd say.
1: Yeah, greatly appreciate Joe Carnahan. Uh, again, very busy man, helping out with the uh, Home Hardware Legionnaires, doing some drills with uh, minor baseball players in town and of course a full-time teacher by trade so we're glad that he was able to be here and be a part of Swift Current 57's night, which is going to be November 22nd at the Innovation Credit Union Iplex. We're recording this Friday morning,
2: November the 15th tomorrow, a big night at the rink, the Wawanisa Toy Drive. Yeah, fans uh, encouraged to bring uh, new and, and unwrapped toys. It's not quite the same as the Teddy Bear Toss, which I think is on November 30th, so not quite the same thing, but uh, bring a toy that's going to be donated to uh, some some uh, children in need and families in need for the holiday season and uh, if you do bring a new and unwrapped toy you uh, you get an entry to win uh, a couple of tickets to the Memorial Cup presented by Kia in Kelowna so uh, a little incentive to bring uh, an, a, a new toy to the rink and donate it to someone who could use it this holiday season and you just might be rewarded with a trip to Kelowna to see uh, the Memorial Cup
1: yeah and that's huge so, so yeah just, just a reminder when, when the Broncos score <laughs> (laughs) on Saturday night do not throw your toys on the ice we do that on November 30th this is something different from the uh, from the teddy bear toss game this is the Wawanisa toy drive so we encourage you to bring a new and unwrapped toy to the game tomorrow night and be entered to win tickets to see the Memorial Cup presented by Kia shout out to the Swift Current Kia dealership (laughs) No free ads. Yeah, we, we don't have one. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, thank you very much for checking out Broncos This Week, the podcast. A uh, big thanks to Dean Brockman, Josh Davies, and Swift Current 57's coach, Joe Carnahan. That'll do it for another edition of Broncos This Week for Original 16. You've been
0: listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16.